Thanks for listening to the Northwest Yearly Meeting Podcast. We hope that you find the conversations to be helpful and enlightening as you get to hear from those involved in the Evangelical Friends Movement. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss when a new episode comes out. Now, enjoy the episode. All right. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. It's March. That's kind of weird to think about. To yeah, me at least. Where oh. has where has the year gone? I know. Well, the year the the thing that makes it weird for me specifically is March. Now the end of March, but it's going to be my son's first birthday, and Woo! so I know. But that's just weird to me to think that he's going to be one years old. It doesn't feel like it's been a year. So that's just weird to think for me. It is the, yeah, to go by, it goes by quickly. I know that's what everyone always says. And I've seen it online and whatever, like when you have young kids, the, the thing I see all the time is like the days are long, but the years are short. And I relate to that <laughs> <laughs> right now in this, in this moment, thinking that he's going to be a year. And I'm like, what in the world? Last time, I said, if anyone leaves a review, we'll find a way to give them a prize or something. Ooh. And nobody left a review. So still, oh, that didn't even entice people to do it. But if I'm, if you're listening right now, just pause it. You know, this will be here forever. You can listen to this whenever you want. Go leave a review on iTunes or I guess, I guess there are other places to review. I'm only checking iTunes um, or Apple podcast or whatever. I, I say iTunes. That's not a thing anymore, but no, um, someone could review, I guess on Spotify or Google. So, I should go check those. But so what Jacob is saying is if you are using a different podcasting platform and left a review, he did not see it. So don't feel yeah, offended. That is true. Um, I'm, I'm checking uh, Spotify right now as we, speak. however, according to our analytics, uh, I think I the I the Apple yes. podcast app is the vast majority of yes. users. It's like 80% of people. So yeah, I don't see anything here on Spotify. Okay. But uh yeah, we just had uh you know, for anyone who cares, we just had mid-year boards. Those went great, I think here in Northwest Yearly Meeting. We've got uh some stuff coming up that we can talk about at the end, but just recently, there was a men's retreat, which Austin and I were just talking about. He said he knew nothing about it because I think unofficially this is the Idaho men's retreat, although it's open to anybody. But I know there's there's a men's retreat at Twin Rocks um, earlier in the year that I think most people from Washington and Oregon go to. So this is the one that's in Idaho at Quaker Hill Camp, and we have the guy who was the speaker there. His name is Kevin Davis. I'm going to bring him in. Morning. 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 Sorry. Sorry. We were, we were just chatting here. That's all right. I just wanted to make sure I clicked the right link and all that. Oh yeah. Well, we were just saying, um, so th this is Kevin Davis for anyone who can't recognize his voice or whatever. We, we haven't said that yet, but Kevin's the pastor at Woodland Friends Church up in, is it Woodland, Idaho? Yeah, it's it's considered part of a town called Kamii, but it's okay. It's its own unincorporated community. So, okay, well, um, so you are the speaker at this. It's called Man Camp, Men's Retreat at Quaker Hill, and little interesting fact for people who are listening and and whatever. But our very first episode of the Northwest Yearly Meeting podcast 
was with your wife, Christy Davis, who was speaking at women's retreat at the time. Yeah. And so now we have you and you are speaking at the men's retreat. So it's just interesting that we got both of the Davises and they were both speakers at the respective retreats. Yeah. So we've come full circle. We have. Yeah. We could end it right now and, and be done. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully we're not we're not going to be done. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I think uh, you know, Christy had uh suffered some cancer two years ago. And I think they wanted her to speak from that suffering in that situation. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then for me, I don't know if you were going to tell that story. I read a passage last year at man camp, um, Jacob. And uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to, I, I, I was, you know, if you want to share that or whatever you can, I know last year, I think they were wanting you to be the speaker last year or be a, a speaker. They kind of alternate at this at the men's retreat um one year they'll have multiple speakers and then the next year they'll have just one speaker for all the main sessions because that we get kind of mixed reviews some people like having the change up speakers some people like just having one person throughout the week so last year i think it was they it was a year that they had multiple speakers and they had reached out to you to be one of them Mm -hmm. but uh you weren't able to because i think some of the stuff going on with your wife Mm-hmm. And so, but you, you said, I'd really like to, but I just can't probably commit to that right now. And so through God's timing or whatever, now you're the speaker this year and you probably have a little bit more responsibilities because this is the year where you are the only speaker for all the sessions. <laughs> well, Roy, Roy told me that he had first reached out to about four people again, but everybody declined and I wasn't the only one declining. And so I said, yeah, I could probably do it all. So yeah, I've been uh, actually pulling from my archives at Woodland Friends to kind of give me a little time. I get told all the time at Woodland Friends, you know, if you just preached a sermon from last month, we probably wouldn't know. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I don't know either. I just know it. <laughs> So. Yeah, so you shared a little passage last year, and and is that kind of what's going into what you spoke about this year? Yeah, so last year, Roy invited me to um, uh, introduce him for a, a sermon. And part of me was like, introduce Roy. That's like, it's like I said to my church, that's like me asking one of you, hey, introduce me next week, you know, like I've only been here all the time. But but as I was thinking about it, and actually the the worship music leading up to Roy's preaching, I felt, you know, I'm not super Pentecostal, but I felt like the Holy Spirit say to me, hey, you need to read from Ezekiel 37. And I was like, well, that's random because we hadn't been talking about the Valley of Dry Bones or anything. And I just said, okay. And that's what I did. I got up and I just told every all the guys there, you all know Roy. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pray for him. But I told him, you know, the Holy Spirit really laid on my heart to share this passage. And I did. And then all these other guys later on, either publicly or to me privately saying that just fit in with everything that was going on for me personally, it really spoke to me. Wow. And and so Roy said a lot of us recalled that. And that's why we thought we should make it the theme this year. And so that's what I'm unpacking and preaching on. So, so, so since I'm not, since I wasn't there mm-hmm. and I wasn't aware of it, uh, could you kind of give me kind of an overview of what you talked about and the theme? And I'm sure that there's a lot of other guys and people in the early meeting who don't know what happened at man camp. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 
Okay. Oh, I got to play this game because this is coming out after man camp. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a little bit of secret we record ahead of time. So it's like, yes. we're, we're kind of time traveling here. So yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you, you, you are speaking on Ezekiel 37 and, and you so. are and have spoken. <laughs> yes. It was a what? great time at man camp. 40 billion people got saved. No, just kidding. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm a very exegetical, which means verse by verse preacher. And I, I just divvied up um, Ezekiel 37. There was 14 verses we covered, and I did a few each night. Uh, you know, of, I should say each service. Uh, the first night is about Valley of Dry Bones. And, you know, how I, I kind of likened it, you know, for Ezekiel and Israel, they were a Valley of Dry Bones because they were brought into the exile. You know, they, and for them, it's like God died. Whenever their temple got destroyed, Jerusalem got leveled, they're brought to Babylon. And I kind of likened it to our own valleys of dry bones, whether it be a besetting sin you can't get free of, or bad choice after bad choice, or whatever the issue is, what are your valley of dry bones? And then uh, the first sermon I asked the question, uh, actually I stated, God brought you here for a question, because God asks Ezekiel, as he looks at all these valley of dry bones, can these bones live, you know, like, and for Ezekiel, you know, it should be like, they're dead bones, <laughs> you know, like, I have a cemetery next door to the church here, I can go out and see if they ever move, but no, we all know they're not going to get up, but Ezekiel says, oh, Lord, you know, you know if they can live, and then uh, the next service, I talked about the resurrection, you know, it says the bones came to life, sinews, bones, you know, and and just kind of like giving hope to our own situations. And, uh, you know, for, for Israel, it was hope, hey, there's going to be a future. You're going to come back to life. You will be a nation again. The third message uh, really bothered me. Like I like wrestled with it a long time. But it is this idea in Ezekiel 37. It's interesting. After the bones and everything come back to life, there's this like set aside moment where God says, or Ezekiel writes, but there was no breath in them. And the word for breath is spirit or wind. And, you know, in, in Genesis 2, 7, you have God formed them from the dusty earth and breathed the breath of life into them. But here in Ezekiel 37, it's like they came back to life. They were bodies, but there was no breath. And like Ezekiel like hovers over that thought for a few verses. And so I just kind of scratched and scratched. And I, I don't know if it was what I would call exegetically accurate, but I just likened it to people who are converted but they don't make use of the holy spirit in their lives right like mm. they 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 profess to be believe in jesus but i'm sorry i don't think you need the spirit's power to sit on your butt in church like you need the spirit's power to actually do things in faith you know that sort of thing and then uh the last one is um you know what we ended up on sunday morning is the idea of once they're all put together ezekiel and, and god calls them an army of the lord and just kind of empowering men to like, you know, one of the, one of the things I like, I'm a big fan of John Wesley. I'm, I'm a kind of a theology nut and John Wesley viewed salvation a little bit different than we. And I say we in the broad term of evangelicals view it. I feel like Christians think, Oh, the conversion moment, salvation moment, that's everything in the Christian life. And John Wesley was more like, that's just the door to a bigger house. The house is sanctification. The house is growing in grace and faith and, and, you know, doing things for the Lord. You go to Hebrews 11, you don't see uh, 
You don't see the writer of Hebrews saying, and Abraham accepted God and sat on his butt and he was happy he was saved. No, it's Abraham left his homeland. Noah built an ark. You know, all these people who did things. And I, that's kind of the challenge I left man camp with is, you know, okay, hopefully most of the men who come to man camp are saved. But if there were some saved, great. But I'm more concerned about what are you going to do now? Because your life doesn't usually end right after you get saved. It, you know, for most people, it's going to end later in the future. And so that's just kind of the challenge I left. You're an army of the Lord. What does the Lord want you to tackle in your communities? So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, yeah. I, I enjoy going to the men's retreat. I think one of the first times that I went, I've probably gone six or seven times now. Yeah. Um, I probably did kind of get dragged along. Um, but after that, I was like, wow, that was a really like powerful weekend. I really enjoyed that. So it's not something that would be like something that I would necessarily be drawn to for my personality or whatever. But I think there is importance in going to something like that and just having that weekend away, whether it's a retreat that's specifically towards men or towards women, or it's an all church retreat, or it's a camp for high schoolers or whatever. I think having those moments where you get away from everything in your life, you know, your responsibilities, um, people checking in on you, having to do like daily mundane tasks, just having a time to get away and, and really focus on God, you know, and it's not like we're sitting in the chapel 24 hours a day for the whole weekend that we're up there, but just having, especially for, for this specific men's retreat, the time of year that we go up to McCall or for you go down to McCall, you know, it's very, there's tons of snow there. There's not, you can't really do much. Um, even in the winter there in McCall, a lot of the restaurants and stuff are closed. So it's like, you really kind of are going for a time of solitude in a sense, even though you're there with like 80 other people, but you're not going there to, you know, water ski and fish and do all this kind of stuff that you would maybe think about doing in McCall during the summer. Cause the town is basically shut down and there's four feet of snow. So you really are kind of just sitting around and, and, you know, having some good conversations with other believers and things like that. And I think that's important for people to do, but I hear from a lot of people specifically, obviously men for men's retreat. Like I know some people at my church who are just like, yeah, that's not really, I don't like, and, and they'll say things like, I don't like being away from my bed or, and I don't know if that's like a legit thing or if that's just an excuse they say or whatever, but <laughs> I mean, okay. So I don't a, like being away from my bed either. And I'll admit that the camp beds are not as nice as my bed, but it's like, I can suck it up for two nights, you know? I just and, tell myself I'm not going to sleep. Let's not plan on sleeping guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, for some people, I know that who have like serious back issues beds can be a really big deal but all that saying it is it it isn't it is interesting to hear the excuses that yeah. people because like and i'm one of them okay <laughs> i have never been to a men's retreat and i've always come up with some sort of lame excuse um so i'm just like outing myself outing myself right now that there you, like, go. you know never been to a men's retreat well, yeah, I think, I mean, it, I really, so as you're kind of sharing your, um, just your inspiration from, you know, Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones, like, and, and you were kind of coming from like, like an exegetical sort of, let's see what scripture says. It, it really connected 
what I would describe kind of like a male malaise. I don't know if if you've if you've seen this or I mean I've just been kind of reading about it. Um, but there just appears to me, and I mean, this is from my perspective, that there is just a general male malaise that is like that exists right now for a lot of for a lot of for a lot of dudes. And it is um and specifically I what like I see this in like I, I read a book recently called of of men and boys and t- kind of where it explores uh some of this is it is that that shows the evidence that men are falling behind men aren't um like for example they're more likely to die by suicide they're they're less likely to become educated they're less likely they're their job prospects have gone kind of down over the years they're making less on average and that there's just kind of this general restlessness they're more likely to be addicted to to drugs and alcohol and are more or more likely to die from overdoses from the opioid addictions which are things that like a lot of us um that exist in a lot of our communities men are more likely to drop out of school men are more likely to be in prison and and it and it feels that like men aren't super healthy right now and and it just makes me think of how in some ways i think a lot of guys feel like they're kind of existing in a valley of dry bones right yeah. um and how that, that that and how i think that there is a a, a thirst of of some kind that is um really just um there are, there's a lot of men hungry and thirsty for you know to have some sort of vitality again. Yeah. So it, it's interesting, you know, like for me, I grew up Christian and, you know, and as I, I'll just come out and say, like, I was the weirdo who didn't want to go to children's church, would rather listen to the sermon, uh, didn't want to go to youth group, would rather listen to the sermon. So I guess that's why I'm a pastor, because I like, you know, sitting, talking theology. I'm, I'm one of those weirdos. However, what I will say is uh, whenever I moved out of my parents' house, I was also one of those weirdos who whenever I moved out of my parents' house, it was because I got married. You know, I, I didn't ever live on my own. And uh, But whenever we moved and I, I moved to Moscow, Idaho, which is a college town up in North Idaho, um, even though by that point I was already a youth pastor for four years and I was studying to be a, a pastor, uh, I started listening to a pastor who will not be named because he's highly controversy, but he was heavy into like training men. He was heavy into like, put some pants on, stop being idiots. Like just what I would call locker room yell preaching. Like, yeah. you know, and that like gripped me in a way that I never got gripped in the preaching I sat under. The preaching I sat under was great. He is and was my mentor. I still call him up. We have a great relationship. And also the guys before him were great. But I feel like that a lot of, uh, you know, as it comes to men and spiritual vitality, a lot of the preaching t- to me seems uh, propositional, as in, here's what I studied, here's what I think of this, the stuff I studied about, you know, let me lightly just give it to you and, and do with it what you want. What do you think? And it's, and that kind of, and I contrast that with like, this is the word of God. It's authoritative. It has, you know, impact on your life. It has direction for where you go and what you do and how you should live. And that kind of preaching 
got to me in a way that never that I, that I was never confronted with before. I felt like before, like, well, if the Bible is up for like question, and if I can form my own opinions about it, not to say that you know a preacher should open up the Bible and be dogmatic to the point of like, no, this is how the end of the world will it be. No, I'm not talking about that. You know, some things are up for debate, but I feel like men, especially men in our postmodern culture. That was a word I got so tired of in, in, in college, postmodernism. Mm-hmm. But it's a reality we have to deal with. And the ideas of postmodernism is that everything is relevant. Everything's up for question. You know, who's the authority? We don't know. For me, in, in my generation, I feel like, you know, I've, I've noted that at least in Christ, Christian culture, there is also uh, re- resurgences in Calvinism. There's resurgences in, in high church like Catholicism and a lot of, and I know I personally know a few men who got sucked into those things. And I think it's because we secretly crave rigid structure. We've been in such a, we've been in such a, like everything's up for grabs. Everything's relevant for so long that when any like structure comes along, like we crave that. And, uh, and I think that also you talk about boys and men, there is a well-known father epidemic in the absence of the father. And I feel like that more, uh, you know, like for me, it's a struggle day in and day out. But like I keep telling myself, I don't want my sons to be one of those guys of, well, where's dad? You know, and like if, you know, I'm in my office here and if my if my son comes through that door over there and asks, dad, can you go outside and watch me to watch me ride my bike? I want to be the dad who more often says, yeah, I'll put my work down because I value you. Even if I just go out there and ride your bike, watch you ride your bike. You know, and so, yeah, I think like for men, I guess two things from all my rambling is, you know, how can I, if I'm a dad, make sure I'm a good dad and be, uh, you know, do I submit to authority? And my authority should be the Holy Spirit, should be God the Father, should be, you know, Jesus. And, you know, as tough it is, is for Quakers in our priesthood of all believers, but we do have elders in our churches and we do have, you know, pastors in our churches. I'm not saying that they should like, hold the authority of, yeah, you're welcome to go to the bathroom now. But there is still like, uh, you know, some authority, spiritual authority, you know, like go to the elders if you have a question and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I feel like that the Bible has given us um, direct directives as far as, you know, structure. And it's something that our culture, postmodernism, has rebelled against. So... That's just me. Yeah, you bring up this, you bring up the topic of like just authority in general. And it kind of reminded me of um, just how many young men are flocking to um, who, and I would say that these are a lot of men both inside and outside the church. This mm-hmm. is just, just in general of, of, of voices like uh, Jordan Peterson, for example. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with him. He's a, he's a, uh, he, I, I don't think he's teaching anymore, but he was a Canadian, uh, psychological professor and, but his work has captivated a lot of young men and you can't deny that like he hasn't had some sort of influence, uh, if you like him or you don't like him. But in, in particular, one of the works that kind of made him popular was his book, 12 rules for life, mm-hmm. where, where it is very much of like, like he kind of steps in as kind of like the authoritative dad figure for a lot of people of just being like, you need to clean your room. You need to like get a job. You need to just like, like you need a man up sort of, sort of, sort of like a, and a lot of people 
are responding to that. And I think that this is true with a lot of like other sorts of, you know, online influencers um, that I see, like um, just looking for some sort of wisdom, some guidance, some rule um, or authority might be, is kind of the word that you use, but like yeah. some sort of like guidance and guardrails to figure out like, how do you, how do you live? Right. How yeah. do you live in life? How do you, what's the best way to live? I know that like stoicism is having like a really huge sort of like resurgence right now that like, and especially for a lot of men that they're just like, you know, who are, who wouldn't necessarily be like philosophical types who are reading things like Marcus Aurelius and being able to quote it, but they can't quote the Bible. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I saw this and kind of an article, it was kind of a think piece around like how the, a lot of young men are, and men in general are like gravitating towards these like kind of stoic self-help wisdom traditions um, to, but not connecting with the Bible. What do you think that maybe are some challenges for the church in, in terms of like connecting with men um, just in general? And this is for both Jacob and you, Kevin. Yeah, I was going to say just real quick, and it leads into that question, but, you know, like I sent this article and, and we found some other ones. And I don't know if you would say this is the case for you at Woodland, Kevin, but like, you know, this, this article, and I'll link it down below reports that like, in general, Christianity is appealing towards more women, or at least if you survey like the attenders on a Sunday morning, uh, they say the average is like 61% will be women, um, which I would say is the case here at my church. And even thinking, you know, to, and in my youth group, it's, it's above 61% that are women, you know, and, and, and girl, young girls in my youth group, it's like probably closer to 80 is girls. Um, and it's been that way for a long time. So yeah, I guess the question is like, how do we appeal to men without, I don't want to go too far in the extreme and make it like, hoorah, let's have, you know, hunting night and all this kind of stuff for, for one that's just not who I am that's not my personality so that would be fake on my sense but you know we don't want to ostracize women and I know there are women who hunt and all that kind of stuff too but you know we don't want to cater overly to one type of person but we want I don't know obviously the gospel is for all people the gospel is for everybody men and women included but for some reason it kind of just seems the way that typical church and Sunday morning stuff and youth group stuff for whatever reason is maybe more appealing to women. And I don't really know why that is. I know there are theories out there, but I don't know what your thoughts are. Uh, first of all, you talk about hunting. There's a little placard in my house that says we interrupt this marriage for hunting season, but that's geared for my wife. She's the hunter. So, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I in Woodland, this is kind of a farming going into like retirement community. However, there have been a few folks who've moved in heavy, heavily during coronavirus. And so we have received a few younger families of people who were already Christian, but they have like a homesteading lifestyle, like not on the grid electrically and that sort of thing. And so anyways... So I should, I would say like right now, it's probably close 50-50, a lot of couples, you know, in terms of men and women. One of the things in that article you sent, and I read through it, was a lot of things are not 
a lot of pastors aren't visually appealing in terms of having like things to go with their sermons. Like it's just a guy up there with a book talking in a water bottle half the time. And uh, for me, like I, I like slideshows in my sermons, like they're, that's the, they're married. Like I have slideshows that go with my, all my sermons. I have an outline. So people are filling in blanks all the time and, Sometimes I'll include like a clip if it's needed. And I'm not like super clip. Like I've met some pastors like you can't go away without the pastor showing a clip of a movie. Like I'm not that, but you know, if I feel like it fits. And so, and my slideshows are, are, you know, I'm a very visual graphic arty type guy. I love computer video editing, all that. So I just, I just, and, and I, I say all that to say that I, there's been more than one occasion where a lot of men do come up to me and say, you know, I'm glad you put your sermons online. Is there a way to put your slideshows online too? And I was like, that's a lot of, you know, if I had a secretary and if, if there was a second one of me, like, yeah. But uh, but all that, you know, like they find that helpful and they find it like, oh, it's like dinner and a show, you know. And, uh, and But I think like a lot of men, I agree that a lot of the preaching is in a lot of the just everyday stuff happening at church seems women oriented. Um, you know, every time I introduce a guy to like Christian hard rock or Christian rock music, they're like, especially if they didn't have a church background, they're like, I didn't know this existed, you know, Oh, that sounds cool. You know? And I think sometimes it's just connecting, you know, being a connection for men of like showing them, no, there is like this, culture and Christianity that might appeal to, you know, your masculinity. And also, you know, and I think men retreats, like, so we talk about man camp and Jacob, you probably know what I'm talking about, but there's been a few like man camps where it's like, let's bring four chairs up on the stage and cry about our sins. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't look forward to that. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I'm a man. I'd rather you just like, you can yell at me behind the pulpit, but then let me deal with it by myself. And if I think I need some counselors, I'll go find them, you know, like, and so like, I think that's, that's not appealing to men. Cause there is a lot of like, let's just, you know, pull out all of our closets and skeletons and cry about it and have a little hug huddle. And like, yeah, men aren't going to do that, you know? And, and that's okay. It doesn't mean they're not being, uh, transparent i think it just means they're being masculine you know and so uh but i think like yeah there are i think there are ways to communicate to men and there are ways to communicate to women and i guess the sometimes the the juggling act that people who put on church whether it be leading music or preaching or even teaching sunday school is what is a way that's going to appeal to them both you know and other times I feel like, especially if you're a man who's already a Christian, like don't come to church as a consumer, you know, come to church as a producer. And if, if everything wasn't geared to your liking on a given Sunday, you, did you survive? You know, I mean, like, and so, yeah, so I don't know. So those are just my thoughts. The one thing that's interesting to me though, like thinking about that, because I would agree typically um, you know, you can read studies and statistics that especially younger boys and things like that do not do well with just sitting. Like when you think about schooling and things like that, boys typically do less or do worse in those kind of environments where, where they need to just sit still and, and focus and do the work because they're more high energy and things like that, which then, you know, 
church typically is a lot of that kind of stuff. Sit and sing, sit and listen to a sermon, sit and go to a Sunday school class and answer a question. So maybe it's less appealing there. But then the disconnect that I have with that is like, so thinking about this man camp specifically, and I don't know, I know there's another men's retreat at Twin Rocks. I don't, I've never been there. I don't know if it's the same kind of thing or whatever, but like I, I said at the beginning, it's not like we're doing a ton of activity at man camp because we go there in the winter and the town's pretty much shut down. And so like you can go snowshoeing if you want, but that's not a very high active thing. It's not like people are going skiing or water skiing or like shooting or playing sports or anything because the basketball court and the volleyball court are covered under four feet of snow. So when I go to man camp, it is a lot of sitting around and talking and someone taking a nap on the couch and playing card games and that kind of stuff. So, but, but I know men who go to that and look forward to that every year and they're there every year. Um, like they, they just look forward to man camp. They think it's amazing. And you know, they're believers, they're Christians, but then when it comes to the rest of the year, they're not really active in church. And so to me, that just kind of confuses me sometimes. It's like, why do you look forward to going to that, which is just a bunch of sitting around and talking, but you don't want to go on Sunday morning, which is just a bunch of sitting around and talking. And part of it might be that at man camp, it's all men and you can relate to a lot of the people there and you can tell stories, but then you go to church on Sunday morning and there's like, you know, if, if those statistics are to be believed, you look around the room and there's only like 10 guys and maybe you don't know them all. And so you're like, I don't really know who to talk to. There's nobody here for me. And so then you check out. So part of maybe the challenge to Christian men is to just show up and be there. Like, you know, if you look around the room and you're disappointed that there's no men, well, then someone else is going to come next week and be disappointed that there's no men because you didn't show up. So part of the battle might just being present, even if it's not your cup of tea all the time. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but well, you know, and I feel like, not to get too angry, fundamentalist, conservative, <laughs> but men, many men are geared to be leaders, and sometimes that means being sacrificial. And so, like, like I said a while ago, like, especially if you're a Christian, like, don't go to church to consume, you know, go to the church and, and if you need to, like, you know, put your pants on and, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Oh no, there's 10 men here and I don't relate to any of them. Stick it out, <laughs> you know, go out of your comfort zone and make a friend. And, you know, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I feel like for me, it's always a balance of how much do I allow the congregants complaints dictate what happens on Sunday versus what is God calling us to do in the church? You know, like, just like any church, Woodland, you know, we're heavily old hymns. You know, we have a few, you know, uh, like all the songs that are popular now. Every time I hear them, oh, that's cool. But we never sing them at church because, you know, two pianists and, you know, hymns are easy. And getting the music team to learn something new is like pulling teeth. And uh, it's funny because we'll have people even say out loud during the service, I'm so glad to be part of a church that does hymns. And then I'll have people say to me, like in private, you know, I really like this new song on the radio. How come we can't do it here? And 
And, you know, but I, I'm, I'm proud of them because none of them ever leave an aggravation, partially because Woodland Friends is the only church on the hill. <laughs> but and they don't want to drive 30 minutes to go to another church. But uh, another one is, I feel like at least in our church, just the unique circumstances we have, it has caused people to be a little bit more gracious and forgiving and realizing this is the only family I have. And, uh, you know, I guess that's one thing about Protestant churches that that to me has bothered me is there seems to be a lack of loyalty uh, and commitment to the body. You know, a lot of people treat church like they treat fast food. Well, I'll go to McDonald's for a while. Well, I don't like the way they prepared that meal. I guess I'll go to Wendy's now and never going back to McDonald's again. And the same way, if you're in a big city and if you have access to a lot of churches, well, you know, it, this other church over there has better kids programs. So I'm going to go there because I want my kids to be well taken care of. And, and then they go there and, well, he's preaching out of only the message. That's bizarre. I'm going to go to this other church that preaches out of the New King James and has a kids. You know, and it's just like, instead of like using churches like you would a restaurant, you know, stay committed to one body of Christ, just like your family are, are going to have some struggles, but you never say, well, I'm disowning you. I'm going to go find another family. You know, I mean, that's, and I think that sometimes men, especially if they, if they do that, I'll just liken it this way. You know, uh, for me, uh, I did struggle a long time with what translation of the Bible to read. And after a while, I realized I'm not going to be pleased with one particular translation. I just need to pick one. And I think that men can have a tendency to have this ideal that it must exist out there. I don't think there's no, there's no church out there that's going to be perfect. <laughs> you got to pick one and then pour your life into it. And so, yeah, I guess that's what I think of, if, of people who are a little fed up with the church or, you know, there's not the sort of people that I like there. Okay, well, make it what you want it, you know, so. Yeah, I and I, I asked the question of like how do, how do churches kind of confront or like how, what, what challenges do we have just because I like I just see it in my own life of just like struggling to connect with, with, you know, the church to, to men and, and that it does seem easier and for other groups. Though I did, I did like something that you said earlier when you were talking about Wesley talking about, you know, like salvation is just the front door and that like, you know, when we say yes to Jesus, that's just the beginning of, mm -hmm. of, of a journey rather than it being like the end, like we haven't arrived it's just really this like point, like step one. And I wonder if we reframed, you know, how we talk about the Christian life instead of thinking of it, of like, you do this thing and then like, there you go, you get to go to heaven or hell and that's it. Like, cause I, I think it, it offers a more expansive view to like, to go into kind of rather than just kind of being like, oh, now I can just like kind of like sit on my laurels. It's yeah. like, oh, oh, I have to do something, right? Because uh, it's something that I notice with like, and I'm the kind of guy who can, like, I just love sitting down with a cup of coffee and talking with somebody. And like, I don't need to have a lot of activities. But even in my own relationships, if I'm like hanging out with one of my friends, it's like, I'm constantly thinking like, okay, what activity do I need to like need to do? And it's just kind of been, I don't know, there's like this sense of like, well, I like, I, I can't hang out. I like, I can think of countless times where I like, I want to hang out with this person, this this other dude, but I don't have an activity to like be like, hey, let's go do this thing. And I'm like, I can't, I can't invite them to do anything 
because I don't have an activity. Um, yeah. And I think that's the same thing with like, like I think a lot of guys thrive with having a task or an activity, um, even if they're the kinds of guys who say that they love to talk too, right? Like I'm talking to myself that like having an activity, having a task, having like the next thing helps and, and reframing faith. So not so much as an arrival, but as an adventure and like helping men see that progress to like, be like, this is what you do. Um, being more concrete, being more practical might, I don't know, rather than being like, you know, propositional and, and kind of maybe more like abstract and theological, um, might be might be helpful. I don't know. It reminds me there was a, a pastor in in Kamii, which is thirty minutes away, and it's kind of you know when people ask me where are you from, I'll say Kamii because that's just woodland is in the middle of nowhere up a hill. Kamii is just in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but uh, anyways, there was a pastor in in uh, Kamii who one Sunday, so every fall, except the first weekend in September, Labor Day weekend, Kamii has their town festival it's called barbecue days and there's a free barbecue and this pastor you know got in touch with the organizers i believe and said hey on that sunday of that weekend can our church clean up like we want to clean up the town and uh and i think it was it it's so funny because i know the church really well half of the people and a lot of them were the newcomers were like excited ecstatic like you mean we're not actually going to sit in a sanctuary and sing songs and listen to preaching, but on Sunday we're going to go to town and just clean stuff up and serve? And they like were ready to do that, and they totally got what wavelength the pastor was coming from. And then there was all these old-timers who were like, well, you know, it's just traditional. It's the Lord's Sabbath. We should get together and, and be edified that way. And, you know, if people want to go do it after church, that's fine. But I think like that's that's the point of I think a lot of the disconnect in our churches is, is some churches feel like all we do is sit down and talk and other people are looking for what's the active service I can doing to be serving the Lord. And like the the tension is, is how do we marry those two together? You know, like uh, how do we inspire people to serve outside of just words? You know, you think you look in the Gospels and you know, uh, Jesus fed the 5,000 or 4,000. He did that after a lengthy message, but uh, <laughs> there was both teaching and exhortation as well as serving, you know, or, you know, all the miracles of healing and all the serving that they did and the disciples did. So you see that they were both together. You know, there were times when they were in the synagogue learning, times when Jesus maybe had them somewhere and they were learning, but then other times where Jesus was with them and uh, exemplifying what serving looks like, you know, and I feel like our churches, especially whenever I think of like 1950s onward, traditional churches, nobody goes to the church to, to serve outside of like, okay, maybe preparing potluck and getting the building ready. Like those are opportunities to serve. And then there are opportunities to serve as in, okay, music, preparing that. However, whenever it comes to serving others and serving outside and I guess being a witness by the way we serve, like that doesn't seem to be, I'm not saying all churches, I'm not making a blanket broad stroke statement, but, it, but whenever I just think of churches in general, like how often are there those serving opportunities? You know, how, 
how often does the church you go to make that available, you know, and, and, you know, and I, I'm kind of like Woodland Friends, you know, we live in such a isolated community, like we wouldn't even know where to start for a surface project because, you know, we're a bunch of retired farmers and a lot of, uh, I know this will shock you in North Central to North Idaho, but a lot of rugged individuals who say, just don't bother me. I don't need your help. So <laughs> this is kind of maybe changing the subject a little bit, but thinking about that, like, you know, we mentioned, or you mentioned before that there's like a fatherless epidemic. A lot of kids today do not have dads. And uh, that's certainly the case in my youth group. There's there's a handful of them, potentially the majority, if I did the math and sat here for a second, but who do not have a dad in the picture for various reasons. Some, um, you know, it's like there was a death and so they wish dad was in the picture, but it's not possible. And some it's probably more traditional, like dad's walked out out of the picture. But when, then when I think about men in the church and I think a lot of men serve in roles in the church, as far as like, they want to be on the stewards committee. They want to be the guys who like are going to repair the broken fence in the back or they want to be the guys you know when when the church needs to get new carpet they're going to come and rip out the carpet and do all this kind of stuff or they serve on the finance committee because they you know they do budgets at work and all this kind of stuff so I think especially in, in our instance there are men who serve but they're serving in those kind of roles where it's to be honest, it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. You know, it's like the budget, the finance committee's meeting on their own time in the evening. The the guys who are going to come and do the concrete repaving project, they're going to do that on Saturday morning, like, and they're just going to take care of that themselves. It's not like, it's a lot of self-contained stuff on the side. But then when I need someone to come help me at youth group or teach a Sunday school class, the men never want to do that. And I don't know. I just think it's kind of a shame in the sense, especially when you think about kids who don't have dads and they don't have a lot of good male role models but then a lot of the men who are engaged in the church just want to do that behind the scenes stuff and i'm not saying they shouldn't like you know if that's where their giftedness is then definitely we want them to serve in those areas but um we also want them to be ones who are teaching sunday school classes and engaging and playing games at camp with kids and stuff but I don't know how we make that connection, but I don't know if they feel ill-equipped in those areas or what. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's an area that's lacking in the church as far as like men kind of view themselves more as like the guys who are going to do the construction project and balance the budget and not the ones who are going to play a game at youth group and teach a Sunday school lesson. Probably. I think a lot of it might just need to be communicating that need, you know, whether it be behind the pulpit or the the Sunday school teachers that you have now, like, especially if there's a lot of men in the group. I mean, because just a quick story, there was there's a local cultish church, I won't say any more than that. But uh, I was talking to a a guy at my church who has a friend who attended it for a while. And let's just call the friend named Charlie and the guy in my church, we'll just call him Jim. And Jim's telling me, uh, hey, uh, yeah, Charlie was telling me that he went to this um, cult church. And uh, and Charlie was telling me, oh, it was a great 
sermon, he talked about why nobody should watch TV and, and why TV shouldn't be watched. And, and Jim cut, cut Charlie off and he asked Charlie, so who in your church watches TV? And uh, Charlie said, well, nobody. So why did he need to preach on it? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, I think sometimes, you know, even I as a pastor, I'm, I'm more content to open up the Bible and preach about something that I feel like nobody's struggling with because then you're not touching on, to, you know, stepping on toes. Uh, but uh, I think sometimes, especially from the pulpit, we do need to confront. And it's a, l- a lot more like if you think it's weird in a big church, it's a lot weirder in a smaller church. There's only like 30 of you. And like, you know, the 25 know the five you're talking about, you know. So like, <laughs> but uh, like, so, but I think sometimes, you know, yeah, whenever you see that need, like, hey, men, uh, you need to step up. You need to like, you know, the because the church needs men, you know, and the fatherless need good role models. And, you know, uh, yeah, you know, where would, where would St. Saint Peter be if there was no Andrew? You know, Andrew wasn't, you know, he, he didn't get a lot of like, you know, material in the gospels other than the fact that he was the one who connected Peter to Jesus. And sometimes men need to see like, and that may, might, might make them feel better. Oh, I don't need to be this great, great, you know, preacher or this great Sunday school teacher. However, if I do take a teen class for a season and I pour my heart into at least one child, what if that child grows up to be a great leader, you know? So that sort of thing. But yeah, I think a lot of the times it's just making sure, especially in our churches, of communicating the need for men to fill those, you know, gaps instead of preaching to a bunch of people who don't watch TV to not watch TV. (laughs) So... Well, it was something something that I've been thinking about. So I had a I had a fun experience the the other day. I was I was hanging out in a pub with my one of my good friends, and we were just chatting because you know we we make it a point to to connect regularly because our we value our friendship and and so we were we were we're hanging out and he left and I was like waiting to get a to go box for my 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 tater tots and I was just kind of like sitting and 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 the bar was like it was in the evening because it was like you know it was like seven I it, so I we got there at like seven thirty and I was like a little after nine okay and and the bar was kind of like cleared out because they like closed to ten so we're just I was just kind of waiting there and then I striked up a conversation with um this guy because like i don't know if you've ever been to a bar and you've like seen um somebody on their laptop it's kind of strange right people don't typically like go to bars just with their laptops and like a backpack and i was like so i striked up a conversation to be like oh like what are you doing and and so we got up in this conversation and then he kind of like he was writing paper and i was like oh yeah and i and then we just got a chatting. He's like, so what do you do? And I was like, I'm a pastor. And he was like, kind of like all like flabbergasted. Like why, why is the pastor doing in a pub at like nine o'clock at night? And it was, it was really funny because we got into this conversation and it just made me think of like how, like the ways that churches connect with men and like men and like in, in their environments, right? Like how, how like, I think a lot of the activities that churches tend to do like Bible studies or stuff, like they kind of, they, they connect with people who are already there. And it just made me think of like, how, how can the church connect with men who are like outside of its normal kind of like its group? And like, obviously it's a little bit different in your context, but like in my context, I'm in a, like kind of a suburban area. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it's like, it's not very difficult for me to like run into people. Um, it's not, it's not the same being out on the Idaho Prairie area. Um, so it's, it, and it just made me think about like, what are the ways that the churches like churches or just Christians can connect with men who aren't typically like in our normal kind of like sphere, right. Who might feel like church isn't for them because it's not like, you know, and this isn't so much to be like, oh, we should become seeker sensitive to to men but like how like where are the places that men are and and how can we get there right like one of the things woodland does and i'm sure you guys if you do these sorts of community events you'll like sympathize but uh one of the things i kind of look forward to every year but i kind of don't because it's a lot of work but we have a fall festival we have cider pressing you know all the kitty carnival stuff and we have a chili cook-off and it's just a weekend that's like, you know, Woodland Friends came up with it, like, I want to say 2014, 2015. And if Kamii has barbecue days, now Woodland has friendly fall festivals, what we call it, because we're super original. <laughs> and uh, so, but I do know that especially the hunting, hunting those, you know, those apple trees, calling the neighbors and saying, can we come shake apples and doing the cider pressing, that brings a lot of the community men out who don't go to church. Because it's doing something like you talk about, you know, people like to say men are shoulder to shoulder, you know, they like to work together. And, uh, but, you know, I got to admit where there's that part of us who want to make those moments happen so we can build the bridge to evangelism, you know, of like, hey, do you have any church background or how come you don't go to church or, you know, that sort of thing. I'm not no, but there still is just like, you know, Jacob talks about, there's still people who go to man camp every year, but then don't darken the door of a church. There are men who will come to church events uh, simply because they like chili. They like pressing cider. They like getting the cider, uh, you know, that sort of thing. They like having a, a thing, especially if it's younger men, they like having their something for the kids to do on a weekend. And so, but I think like there is a little bit of that both like churches, you know, we as disciples of Jesus need to go to the tax collector booth and go to the house more but also, you know, what are things that churches can do? And I think it's, it's you know, uh, contextual. Uh, a cider press event works in a traditionally ranching area, uh, you know, but what will work in a suburban area? What kind of events can we do? You know, that sort of thing. And yeah, so. And also, I think like, especially in suburban churches, like advertising, maybe like a men's weekend, you know, uh, and if you need to make it high active, high energy, you know, I've, I've been to like, um, especially in my youth pastoring days, I've been to like these big churches in big areas, like whether it be Tri-Cities, Washington State, or, you know, wherever, where like they just made the entire church pitch dark and had a laser tag fight, you know, and then had like a 15 minute uh, devotion. Uh, but, you know, maybe something for more for men to do. I, I You would almost like need a service project, you know, like we're going to go you know, help that person rebuild their house or whatever, you know, so, and then maybe take like a five, 10 minute break in between for like a quick message. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. I know we're kind of running out of time here, but it's good stuff to think about. And I, I, as we were talking about this, I was like, I think I remember this statistic. So I just looked it up and I'll include this too. And I'll try to find the, the study here, but this is from a Baptist website. 
Um, and they're talking about a study that they did a couple of years ago, but, and it's through, I think through focus on the family as well, but basically like they did a study and showing that if, if like in a married household, I'm a family, mom and dad, if mom goes to church, but dad doesn't, there's like a higher likelihood that the kids will not go to church later on in their life. But if dad goes to church and mom doesn't, there's a higher likelihood that later in life, the kids will continue to go to church. So I don't know why that is or what that is. It's very interesting, but you know, they have the statistics here to show and I'll include that in the link on this episode, but basically kind of saying like, in a way, dad being more involved in church is a higher indicator of if the kids will continue to be more involved in church later in life than if mom is involved, which is just interesting, you know, then we don't have a lot of maybe men or dads who are very involved in church. And then there's less people who are less kids who are involved in church these days. It's kind of like a never ending cycle, I guess. Well, I just think it just reiterates just men, like the the church, the kingdom of God, like it needs men as much as like, I mean, like God created us male and female and the kingdom needs to have both. Right. And it seems like, you know, it's just, we have our ratios off right now that there's something, there's something, something missing. And, um, it's definitely something that like, obviously we can't solve the world's problems. Um, but it definitely seems like it's a real need. And, and yeah. so maybe we just like throw that out to people who are listening to the podcast, who are our friends, just think about, you know, the way your, your, you know, your friends meetings, friends, churches are connecting with men. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, we don't really know who listens to this. Um, we don't have, we have numbers, but we don't have a breakdown if it's all women listening, all men listening, maybe it's just a bunch of men listening and we're preaching to the choir right now. Maybe it's all women. And they're like, yeah, we know we need more men here. I, I don't know who's listening to this right now, but um, yeah, it's just good to think about. And having Kevin on here, who was just the speaker at men's retreat, it was just something that was kind of on our mind here. And, and yeah, I've thought that multiple times, like, there's one person that comes to mind and I, you know, I'm not going to out them or anything, but it's like, they are just on fire for, for men's retreat for the weekend. They'll, they wouldn't miss it for the world, but then I don't really see them that often throughout the year. And so I'm just, and to me, it's a bit of a disconnect because like I said, the specific men's retreat that we're talking about is not like four wheeling and boating and all this kind of crazy stuff. It's, it's, more low key. It is just a lot of sitting and praising and talking and playing cards. So I just don't quite understand that, but I think that's a universal church problem and not just a Idaho friends church problem. And I think it's a, even just a, like a retreat or conference problem too. You know, there's, there's at least two guys I can think of who for lack of better terms told me they'll never come to man camp because they grew up in the church and got so disgusted with going to like conferences and like seeing people they know, like, you know, give their heart to Jesus or make a recommitment and have this great spiritual experience. And then whenever they go back to their regular surroundings, like all that's lost and gone in a matter of days. You know, I remember at last man camp, uh, buddy Holton was preaching and like the first thing he said when he got up Sunday morning before we left, he just like flat out said, I hate this message. I hate this time slot. And I hate the end of retreats because I feel like this is where the hypocrisy starts, you know, of like, 
oh, you guys all had a great weekend. We love Jesus. And you go home and do nothing. You know, and, and that is the problem. I think it's easy whenever you're on the mountain, as it were, to have those mountaintop experiences and then go back down the valley, you know. And so and so I think that's, that just, that's where it goes beyond just a man problem, especially, you know, so youth conferences or even women's retreat. What work is done there that you do need to bring back home, you know? And so. Yeah, it's definitely the same. Like I can think about that with, with kids, high schoolers and, and people who come to summer camp. It's like. I guess maybe it's 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 easier to come to something once a year than it is to continually be invested in something week in and week out, whether that's a kid going to a summer camp or a man going to a weekend retreat. And I guess it's just injecting value into church, you know, like for me, I wonder sometimes, you know, so as a pastor, I'm required to be at church every Sunday, believe it or not. <laughs> but uh <laughs> um I just wonder if I had took, you know, a different job or, you know, what would I be as committed every Sunday? Would I, you know, wake up and, oh, you know, I have a slight cough. I guess I won't go. But for me, again, I'm one of those weirdos. I'm wired, I guess, to have. I love theological discussions. I love talking about the scriptures. I love the music we sing, you know, and I, I'm just a student. So if I'm not preaching, I love to learn from who is preaching. But for people who would rather be watching a sports game or would rather get out and work in the shop or, you know, go fishing or something, uh, you know, it's probably a struggle to find value in what most churches do Sunday to Sunday. And, uh, you know, Paul talks about being transformed by the renewal of your mind. So like, you know, what I might struggle with in my Christian life, others may not struggle with, but whatever they might struggle with, I might not struggle with, you know? And so I don't have a struggle with wanting to be at church because I do, I want to be at church. But others who, you know, God bless them, they read their Bibles and might be what we call Christian, uh, struggle with, really, I need to go sit down for two hours, sing songs, you know? Uh, I think your article you sent me, I've heard it called prom songs for Jesus, you know, or love songs to Jesus for a while, you know, it just doesn't resonate with a man, you know? And so, yeah, finding value in, in what's happening Sunday to Sunday. Yeah. Well, Austin, do you have any closing thoughts here or should we wrap this up? I, I mean, I'm, I think I got all I, all I have to say (laughs) out, out, out the, at the gate. Um, but it was a good conversation. I'm yeah. super glad that Kevin, you had the, you took your time to come out and, and to, to speak with us about, about men ministry and, and man camp and um, hopefully have you back on at some point. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny too, that you, you got Christy and now you got me. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, for sure the first husband wife couple that's been on here. The listeners can go back to the first episode and listen to somebody a lot better than me. And then, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, all right. Well, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. And yeah. uh, we'll see you. All right. Thanks. See ya. Well, we will uh, thank you for listening and uh, subscribe and like and share. And we will be back next month with another conversation. Very true. See ya. Once again, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with others. Please rate and review the podcast so others can find it. 
Contact the Office of Northwest Yearly Meeting if you would like to be on the next episode. God bless you.